Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is a video teaching series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson number three, and the focus of this lesson or the title is We Must Know Who God Is in Order to Love Him. We've already talked about that. We're going to talk about it from a different set of scriptures. As was the case with the greatest commandment, Jesus starts his case for us loving God the Father by obeying him by first making sure we know who the Father is. And so I'm going to read to you several verses in uh, in John 14, and then I'm going to read uh, uh, just the first part of those verses in two more translations, and then we will talk about this subject. John chapter 14, verse 6 uh Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and henceforth, from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Well, the only one they've seen is Jesus. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works." Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I, should, I, that I do, shall uh, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask uh, in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. <clears throat> and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and my Father in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. We're going to be uh, talking about verses 12 through 21 in the next lesson. So in this lesson, we're going to focus on verses 6 through 11. So therefore, I want to read verses 6 through 11 in the Amplified. <clears throat> Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by or through me. If you had known me, had learned to recognize me, you would have also known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, cause us to see the Father that that is all we ask, then we shall be satisfied. <clears throat> Jesus replied, Have I been with you all have I been with all of you for so long a time? And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What am I, what I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does the, 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 or his works, his own miracles, deeds of power. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. And then the same verses in Weiss Expanded Translation of the New Testament. Uh, verse 6, G- Jesus says to them, I alone, in contradistinction to all others, am the road and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had learned to know me through experience, in that case also my Father you would have come to know. From now on you are beginning to know him and have seen him with discernment. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father at once, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus says to him, such a long time I am with you, yet you have not come to have an experiential knowledge of me, Philip. He who has discerningly seen me has seen the Father with discernment. How is it that you are saying, show us the Father at once? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words which I am speaking to you, not from myself as a source am I speaking, but the Father who is in me abiding, who in me is abiding, he is doing the his works or speaking the words too. Be believing me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, but if not, because of the works themselves, be believing. In John 16, which is the last chapter, according to man's divisions, of this last teaching session of Jesus before he prayed with the disciples in chapter 17 of John then went out to Gethsemane and prayed in 18, was taken prisoner, tried, crucified that day. So the last teaching session of Jesus started in John 14, 1, and it it continues uninterrupted to John 16, 33. So Jesus is talking in the verses we've already read. He's talking to the disciples about the Father and knowing the Father and seeing the Father. And so I'm reading now in John, in John 16, 22. And ye, now, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now here comes a major verse in the context of knowing who God is. Verse 25. This is the King James Version. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. 
But the time cometh when I will shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. So all of this talk of Father and Son, according to Jesus' own words, is a proverb. A proverb is when God uses natural things that we understand as examples to explain spiritual principles. They, that, 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 you know, we, we are not, uh, in the Proverbs of Jesus, we are not to literally go out and do uh, what he says. He's not telling us to go sow wheat. He's telling us to go sow the word. And so, and he's sending us out into a harvest. God doesn't have a field over in Israel someplace that is his harvest field, and he's recruiting workers for that harvest field that will take a scythe and literally go out and harvest a wheat crop. His harvest field is the world. <clears throat> and he's not harvesting wheat, he's harvesting souls. That's the way a prophet, a parable is understood. And the Greek word here translated Proverbs by the King James in John uh, uh, 16.25 is the word for parable. So the father and son stuff is a parable. Because you can't say, I can't say, if you've seen David, you've seen me. I can't say that. I can't say, if you've seen me, you've seen Mac, my dad. So I can't say, if you see David, my son, you've seen me. I can't say that if you've seen Mac, you've seen me. Or if you've seen me, you've seen Mac, my dad. I can't say that because it wouldn't be true. My dad was 5'8", weighed 145 pounds my whole life. Until in the latter part of his life when he got sick, lost some weight from there. I haven't weighed 145 pounds since I was 14 years old. I was six foot tall at 12. My eldest son is 5'10", and weighs considerably less than me. He looks more like my dad than he does like me. So when Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he's not talking about, if you've seen me, you've seen the resemblance that I have to the Father. He was saying literally, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And John 1, verses 14 and 18 especially, let us know that, that the man Christ Jesus is the visible manifestation of the I am God, the Father. God the Father. And no man hath seen God at any time. Except looking at Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that we can only see God, according to Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, in the face of Jesus Christ. So these other verses and more so, I mean, uh, uh, Hebrews 1, 4, Colossians 2, 15, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 4, I think it is, four, four, uh, 4, 5, and 6, all of those say that the man Christ Jesus is the image of God, the only visible representation of God. And the God in Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, 
is not God the Son. There's no place in the Bible even remotely says that. It's not God the Holy Ghost. The, the deity in the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, is the Father. God the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.19 To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. So when Jesus said, John 10.30, I and my Father are one, He's not talking about unity. The man Christ Jesus is the only visible representation of the Father God. And Jesus confirms all of this when he says in John 16, 25, that all of this is a parable. God using earthly terminology that we understand to explain spiritual principles that are not literally like the parable. Now, just for interest's sake, uh, I didn't have these in my notes, but I'll read them. John 16, 25 from the Amplified. I have told you these things in parables, veiled languages, allegories, dark sayings. The hour is now coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. But I will, I shall tell you about the Father in plain words and openly without reserve. So you mean, Jesus, here in the last few words of your teaching before you pray with us, and that uh, this is almost the end of chapter 16, start, John 17 verse 1, the prayer starts he, when he prays with them and prays for them and us. And then he goes out to Gethsemane and beginning of verse uh, chapter 18 and prays. So it's the end of his earthly ministry to them. And he tells them that all of this time I've been talking to you about the Father and the Son has been in veiled language, allegories, dark sayings, but from this point on, I'm telling you plainly, in plain words and openly of the Father. And then how about uh, Weiss expanded translation of this one? These things have I spoken to you by way of illustration in similes and comparisons. An hour comes when no longer in similes and comparisons will I speak to you, but plainly, without the use of similes and comparison, I will tell you concerning the Father. Now, this is uh, really, really critical because so many people, they, they, they call it all a mystery because they're trying to make the parable literally true. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the, only, uh, as of the, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 18, no man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Amplified. Amplified. Here we go. Verse 18. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son, or the only begotten God, who is in the bosom, the intimate presence of the Father, he has declared, he has revealed him, and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. And then we says it this way. 
absolute deity is in the essence, in its essence, no one has ever yet seen. God uniquely begotten, he who is in the bosom of the Father, the one that fully explained deity. And how did he do that? By revealing him to us. By revealing him to us. So here we are. Uh, Again, in the next lesson, I'm going to talk to you from verses 12 through 21. But let's go back to John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. Now, if the Father and Son are separate persons, where is the co-equality if you can't get to the Father except by the Son? And as we read in these other translations, it's uh, it's very clear that Jesus is saying there's no other access to the Father except through him. Now, he makes this very clear because he says in verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and henceforth you know him and have, past tense, seen him. Okay, where's the question there? Now, if I'm trying to separate God, the Father, and the Son into two persons, then I've got to do some gymnastics with that language because I can't take it literally. Because if I'm taking it literally, it would be like me saying, uh, I'm Chester Wright, uh, I am Bishop of Antioch. Now, there is a Chester Wright that is Alice Wright's husband. And uh, and I, I'm going to tell you about him and his relationship with Alice Wright. Uh, but when you've seen me, the Bishop of Antioch, you've seen Chester Wright, Alice Wright's husband. Because they're one and the same person. Two different areas of life and experience and relationship, but one person. Now, when you consider that God the Father was the I am infinite God who existed before everything existed and there was no no one else and nothing else but Him. And He is infinite. Infinite cannot directly relate with finite without ceasing to be infinite. You can't put limitations of time and space on the infinite God, the one that pre-existed everlasting, from before everlasting, Psalms 90 and 2, till after everlasting, I am God. There's one God, the God. That's why he is known as, first and foremost, as the I am, because there was only him. And as him, there's no past, present, and future. There's only him. So in order, being love, God is love, in order to love, he had to have someone who could choose to receive that love. And then his desire was that they would then choose, realizing that the I am infinite God went to all this effort so that he could love them, 
that that would cause them to say, hey, I want to love him back by choice. Well, the problem is this. The I am infinite God could not directly involve himself with the finite without undeifying himself. But God is able to do anything. And so God, the mind of God, the expression of God, not a separate person from God. You can't separate God from his mind but because then he would be mindless. And the word, the logos, is the mind of God. It's everything God knows. It's everything God, everything is God is. Yes, we have the Bible. And it is, it, Jesus Christ was the logos made flesh. The man Christ Jesus was the logos made flesh. And we have the Bible and we can call it the logos, the forever settled word. But it's such a small portion. How do we know it's such a small portion? Because John 21, 25 says, there are many other things which Jesus both did and said that if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Now that is a finite mind trying to express what the Holy Ghost is giving him to explain to other finite minds how vast all of God's thoughts and works are just in the finite. And while we cannot measure, we don't have the capability yet as humans to measure the universe, it is not infinite. The universe is not unlimited in time and space. It's not infinite. The universe exists inside the infinite God. Now, God being God, he can also, he's also able through his own means. The one who created all of this is the Logos, the Word. Everything was created by the Word of God. We use the word Word to translate the Greek word Logos, but let me tell you something right now. <laughs> I've said this many times. That's like, this is very uh Poor example, but it's the best I could do. That's taking one of those little balsa wood uh, uh, gliders and equating it to a 747 or an Air Force C5 transport that you can almost put a, C4, a 747 in. That little balsa wood uh, 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 glider is not remotely close to a 747 or a C5. And when we use the word word as the exclusive understanding of the Greek word logos, we're, we're calling the, the word similar to a glider when the logos is a C5 that <clears throat> is about the biggest aircraft that's ever been manufactured and in use. So the, uh, uh, the logos is God. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and the Word, the Logos was with God, and the Logos, and the Logos was God. Everything that the infinite God can be expressed in the time is Logos. Not a separate God. Not a separate God at all. Is the only God there is. The infinite God expressed in the time and space. And through that Logos, as the conduit, God's spirit can then be involved in the universe 
and specifically in the earth and very specifically in the heart of a man without limiting himself, without, without undeifying himself. Now, I don't understand all that because who can understand the infinite? Finite can't. But I understand those principles. And I, and I, I don't know how God did it, but I know he did it. And I know he's doing it. And I know he will always do it. Because as long as there is a finite, the infinite God will relate to the finite through the Logos. And the Logos was made flesh. And that flesh is the only visible God we have. It's the only way we can see the infinite God. Is the Logos was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of Father, full of grace and truth. And no man hath seen God at any time. But the Son, who is the Logos made flesh, he is the one that's revealing him to us, letting us see him. He's the only, in fact, (coughs) the face of the man Christ Jesus will be the only way we will see God for eternity. Now, God will, of course, fill everything. But the man Christ Jesus sitting on the throne of heaven right now, according to Ephesians chapter 1, is the only visible part of God for the finite universe to be able to see. So Jesus said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father and it will satisfy us, sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Not will see the Father, hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, they are not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Jesus went to an extreme here, in my opinion. In the very beginning of this last teaching session, beginning of chapter 16, that he finally says in John sixteen twenty five near the end of this one teaching session, I'm going to from now on speak unto you plainly of the Father. <clears throat> because the Father and the Son are one in the same person. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Father God manifested in the flesh. <clears throat> Peter said in Acts 2.36, he concluded his message on the day of Pentecost with these words, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, the one they crucified, both Lord and Christ. The word Christ is the uh, transliteration of the Hebrew word Messiah. Excuse me, the word Christ is the English translation of the Greek word Christos, which is the transliteration of the Greek of the Hebrew word Messiah. And that word means the anointed one, the one who is anointed. 
And the word Lord, according to Paul and other places, now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Paul said. I believe that's 1 Corinthians 3.21. So, uh, the Lord, the word Lord is always in reference to the deity, the spirit of God, the supreme ruler. So when Peter revealed to us that the man they crucified is now the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way to understand that is the Christ word speaks of the one who is anointed and who is the one that was anointed, the Logos made flesh. And who is the anointing one, the Spirit of God, the Lord. So the just the, the name Jesus, which is the family name of heaven and earth, it was the Father's name and it was the Son inherited it. <clears throat> the name Jesus, which is the only saving name, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, uh, in heaven and earth, uh, is given two titles to identify both of his natures. There is the visible part of him, <clears throat> which is now a glorified body that was born of the woman and is called the son or is called Christ. And he is Christ because the Spirit of the Lord dwelt in and upon that body. And so the deity in him is Lord or Father. <clears throat> and the Lord is in him and on him. And Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And so therefore he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a couple of places where Paul talked about Christ being in us. Well, there's only two ways that Christ can be in us, and both of those ways have to be true, or Christ is not in us. Christ is the anointed Logos, and the body of the one sitting on the throne of the universe right now can't be in me. So the one that was made flesh, the Logos is in me. So I take the word in me, the Logos in me. And then the Spirit of the Lord is in me and upon me, or the Father is in me and upon me. And so, therefore, I have Christ, because the Logos who is in me is anointed by the Spirit of God. And I have Christ when I have the anointed Word in me. Now, question, as I close this lesson. How can I have the word anointed by the spirit of God, the spirit of the Lord on in me and not want to obey his commandments and not want to obey his commandments more than anything else in this world. How's that possible? It's not. And as we will find in the next lesson, which is continuation of these verses, uh, the Lord is communicating this to us. He communicates that very thing to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the Lord would bless you with the spirit of revelation of the proverb of the parable, Father and Son, so that you can see 
the one true and living God for yourself. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you.